everybody, and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota podcast, where we talk to cool people doing cool things. And a lot of times, as you know, I end up in the food space because I keep circling back to it because the entrepreneurial stories are so great and so rich. And today I have a new friend on the line and an old friend. I'm here with Haley Matthews-Jones and also Houston White. And Houston White and I just met. Haley and I have known each other from her experiences with Minneapolis Craft Market and also the vintage markets that she runs. And today we're going to be talking about her new role as COO with Houston White's company that he has co-founded called the Get Down Coffee Company, which you get like total thumbs up on a great name for a business. Who came up with it? Um, I did. Um, it, it was going to be actually a collection of uh, clothes I was going to make that just really showed the how hip hop was formed with the convergence of disco music and b-boying. So I love it. It worked for me. So Houston, you have a lot of different talents that you're coming to this coffee shop with. And I would like you to describe some of your other business ventures, because I feel like the coffee shop is kind of this last piece to fall into place of your artist social activism life. You know, I, I always like to say coffee equals community. I, I I think about it that way. You know, it's, I went to New York in 2015 and there was an espresso bar. It was 200 square feet and it was amazing. And the energy and the vibe that I was feeling out there, I'm like, I got 200 square feet I can spare in my barbershop. And so I, I just, I went to Dan and just said, look, I just want to put a a, a a coffee bar in and just sell uh, dogwood beans. And that was going well. And folks loved to come in and just drink a cup of coffee. And it seemed like the perfect addition to what we were already doing. And it is true that the get down is really a combination of all the things that I love. Fashion, urban style, culture, music. But a big part of it is this idea of cultural collision. Coffee, especially especially specialty coffee, is a very white area in, in the world of coffee. And so... I'm a big proponent of we're all diff- all of our our differences make us dope. You know, I love Haley as a person, but I also love her accent. I love her lived experience, right? She adds so much um, richness just to my life as a human being. But then how do we talk about doing that in business as well, you know, and bringing all those different lived experiences into something that really is about um, building a, a, a vibrant Black-led future and that being okay and everybody can play in that. You mentioned Dan from Dogwood with the beans. And I know that he's, uh, is he a, f- a co-founder in this as well? He is. He is. Okay. I, I was, he's probably one of the entrepreneurs that if you ask me, like all of the time I've been doing this, like who had a really cool story? Like I thought their story was particularly cool. And when I went and toured their plant and just all the different products they were working on and it was so much more than just coffee. At the same time, it was so much coffee. Like it started with coffee, right? You've mentioned that you are also uh, own a barbershop that is part of this. You mentioned that you're a clothing designer. When you have all these different businesses, do you feel stressed out or overwhelmed on like what's going to get the most attention at one time? It depends on when they ask that question, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think one of my superpowers is identifying talent and asking for help. You know, I try not to be all things to all the things. And it's, 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 it's amazing the team that I have in each one of these areas. You know, there's literally, I said, I'm going to take a picture 
end of year. I'm trying to get it done by end of year. But there are 30 plus people that in different avenues work with me on these different ventures. And it's amazing to see, but these talented people allow me to do what I do best, which is dream up crazy wild things and then create networks and relationships to make them real. Yeah, I love that. It's a great way to describe it. And Haley, you're a great networker. When we first met, I was working on a project and I called my business partner, Sarah, and I said, you need to know her. I don't know why you need to know her. And I don't know if there will ever be a marriage, but you need to know her. Do you remember and that? We do now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. A few years ago at the Coven, right? Yes. And you yes. are um, you are the chief operating officer of the Get Down. Mm-hmm. So for you, what? why was it important to add another business to your already busy life? That's a great question. So Houston and I met uh, about two years ago now. Uh, I saw him speak at a conference and he was talking about his plans for Camden Town and saying how it was inspired heavily by Camden Town in London, which is where I used to live. And so I had just messaged him after this conference. And at that time, uh, I was working on planning a trip for London Fashion Week that was scheduled for February of 2020 and reached out and said, hey, I think you'd be awesome for this. We had an opportunity to do a pop-up in London during Fashion Week. Um, And I said, if you haven't been to Camden Town, we could totally go there and see what it's all about. And it would be you know, a great experience for you as you're building and planning for what you're doing. Um, And obviously the pandemic hit and that didn't end up happening, but we stayed in touch. And then we worked on a few projects throughout the beginning of the pandemic. And we just kind of stayed in touch, realized we really liked working together. And that kind of came at exactly the right time as, you know, the markets were shut down that I work on. And so I was picking up more work with Houston and just feel like, his energy and the big, bold vision that he has is so exciting to me. It's so energizing to work on a project like that with someone who has, like I always say about Houston, he has like a hundred year vision and most business owners or entrepreneurs are like thinking five to 10 years out, where do I want to be? He's like, no, in a hundred years, this is where North Minneapolis should be. And so, so the energy of working with someone like that is very motivating. So it just feels like a great fit. I would like to hear that vision, Houston. And I also feel like, and correct me if you have a different idea about this, but I feel like we've been talking about North Minneapolis and business ideation and business innovation for a long time. And it just moved slow. Like business things moved slow. The light rail that was proposed moved slow. The amphitheater moved slow. Like everything was just talk, 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 talk. And very little actually got done. And I'm seeing that change now because of obviously the murder of George Floyd and all of the attention that that got. And business is finally like, oh, yeah, we probably maybe should put our money where our mouth is for a change. But you've been there since the beginning. And what is the vision that you see as it pertains to your particular businesses and how it will impact North Minneapolis? Yeah, that is a fabulous analogy of what I believe has been what stagnated Northside for so long. One. You know, I think this idea of this top-down approach to building community, especially Black community, it doesn't work. The big thing is going to catalyze the small things. No, it's the little things that lever up to build trust and that protect culture that lead to the bigger things, right? And so I've had tons of discussions and, quite frankly, arguments with strategists of why it's not working and what we need to do different. And a big part of it, is entrepreneurs haven't been at the table. The doers, right? The the big the big thinkers, the dreamers, the risk takers. 
if you're doing this through a purely philanthropic lens, well, most of these people don't want to lose their job. So they're not going to take the kind of risk that need to be taken to really make things happen and happen in a, a fast way. So for me, you know, I knew that, and then it was Caroline Wanger that really helped me to, to, to realize how corporations don't have to answer to anyone, but their shareholders. So if you can figure out how to use those corporate interests, and that is HR interest, that is uh, talent acquisition and HR and community revitalization interest, and then have a market-driven approach and a showing show and prove model. And that's really what I've tried to do is like, look, the barbershop is probably the blackest thing in America. And if you can use that space, that's the protection of culture. But then you make sure it's excellent such that if it were in New York, if it was Chicago, or quite frankly, North Minneapolis is a beautiful place. So we should all also throw North Minneapolis in there as sure. like if it were in North Minneapolis. And so I'm been trying to build from that mindset, like stop attaching black to lot and understand that culture and especially black culture is, is American culture. And there's so much phenomenal, uh, uh, just ingenuity and, and vibrancy that if we could get people to see that it's not a moral imperative, it's also a financial imperative for the state of Minnesota, because if you don't have places that are culturally rich, people are going to move to other states where they can get all of the above. And so that's really what it's been for me. It's like use culture, but also figure out how to bring in big, big, big partners that could fund that vision and go around the philanthropic arena. I mean, there's a there's a portion for philanthropy, but I I, I think it's been what we've relied on to our undoing. I I'm a obviously I was gonna be like, I'm a white person, so there's that. But it, I do feel like that the way that this culture shift is going to occur in communities of color is going to be different because I think in the past, you know, white people, and we'll just say white big business, because let's just face facts, a lot of money in these big corporations was run by white men, white people. They had good intentions maybe, but it never really got down to the granular level where it an entrepreneur starts with the vision, the idea the putting it all on the line for their family and their business. And then it kind of goes up from there. It was so top down and I am really energized and seeing finally, and maybe it's been there all the long and I was too white to see it. That's possible too. But I feel like there's really a lot of cool innovation that's happening in the entrepreneurial space with um, black businesses. And there's also money finally that's coming along. People are like, oh yeah, here, I've got some money that can help you be an entrepreneur. And it's been so long that that we've been waiting for that. It is, you know, I, I go in a lot of these meetings with a lot of these white males who a lot of them are my friends and I'm and I challenge them, right? And one is look at me as a peer because I have a lived experience you don't have, which my value is as great, if not greater in some respects, especially dealing with this mm -hmm. than you are. And also the conversation around like leveraging your privilege and understanding that it's okay. We're all different. That's fine. But there's a reason why Jay-Z is the special counsel for the NFL. There's a reason why at every single Super Bowl for the last probably 15 years, there's been an urban leaning act. It's not about white or black as much as it is about culture. And every other, not every other, most states have figured out that 
we have to have culture infused in every aspect of our business line, you know, or else we're not going to be able to be attractive to our future consumer. You know, we have to be building for the next generation. And there is this resistance of especially some of my white homies, I'll just call them, but they're, they're, they're leaning in, right? They're learning because my goal is not to make them feel bad or defensive. It's just, let's think of doing this a different way. And I'll show you, show them, let, let's, let's go on a one year, you know, journey together. And you'll see that you'll, you'll do better financially. Crime comes down. There'll be less philanthropic ask. You can actually put that money that you want to put in space exploration into that because we don't have to be dealing with homelessness and bad schools and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, and I just think that we got to change the conversation and methods. My husband and I were just talking the other day about Amazon and how, like, how did Amazon happen and how did the rise of Jeff Bezos completely changing our culture happen? And, you know, he sold things that anybody was selling, but what Amazon can never take away is your culture, your feeling when you walk into your location and you're having that cup of coffee or you're getting that haircut or you're buying that shirt It's how you make someone feel. And if you have an experience or a retail location that's void of that, devoid of it, I guess would be the proper word, that can be taken away from you, right? Because anyone can sell the widget faster, better, cheaper. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just like coffee, right? Coffee is the second highest traded commodity in the world to oil. And there isn't a a white person that I know of in in the world that's picking Coffee beans. Right. <laughs> communities of color all over the globe. But the benefactors primarily are, right, the, the, the white infrastructure. And I'm like, well, hold on. How is that even okay? But then beyond, beyond the benefit of it, the, the consumption, the feel of it, the vibe of it, the experience of it, this idea of I see people in, in these lines in the mornings and they got their head down and it's like, zombies like going to as opposed to how about you know smiles and laughter and music and diverse crowds playing together because that to me and then obviously having a phenomenal product that is 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 ethically sourced uh that we really care about the families that are doing this work i mean because that is when it all comes together and it's like that uh not not it's compassionate capitalism it's not even conscious, you know, because there's a lot of woke people still doing the wrong stuff. Um, there sure is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Haley, when I think about you and your businesses, I always feel like what attracted me to shopping your ventures was because there was so much personality and it really felt like you were if you if I was shopping your markets, I was gonna find the best entrepreneurs first. When I was even at the mm-hmm. vintage markets, I was gonna find people that could curate like nobody else. Yeah. You had a style and an image, and that really came through in your business ventures. I would imagine that's sort of what you're bringing to this party too, a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, it's the human piece of everything is like really at the center of everything that we're trying to do with the get down from like Houston said, the families that are actually harvesting and farming the coffee that we're sourcing to the people that are working in the cafe. So our first cafe is opening, uh, our grand opening is Black Friday weekend at Houston's newly renovated uh, space in North Minneapolis, 1500 North 44th. And we've been hiring for that over the last few weeks. And the approach that we've taken on hiring is 
And this is something that Dan has taught us that he uh, he learned early on in the um, early days of dogwood is you don't want to always pick the most expert coffee people, right? Because that's kind of business as usual. And that's often what is off-putting or um, intimidating to people. Like coffee is one of those products like whiskey, that, as you and I know from women who whiskey, that like it can be very intimidating if you are new to it or you're curious, but don't feel like you know enough. And so as we've been hiring our team, we've been really focused on uh, the customer service side of things, how people um, make customers feel welcomed and celebrated. We want our coffee shop to be a hangout spot for everyone, literally everyone, and and not a place that feels off-putting or snooty or where you're scared to ask. We want to open the door to more people who don't have experience of specialty coffee as a customer or as a barista or a coffee professional, right? So we're having people based on how they how they fit with that, how they understand that, what their approach and their experience has been. And we found in our interviews, a lot of people who have come to us and said, there's a reason that I only go to Dogwood Coffee Cafes. It's because it's the only place I feel comfortable to sit for an hour and not feel like I'm getting stared at or like I can ask a question about what the products are. And so that's been key for us. And We've found, I'm like really excited to say, we've found some real gems and people, we have some people who have a lot of coffee experience and then some people who are brand new and who are just like, they walked into the interview, we didn't feed any of that information to them and they just got it. And it came out of their own mouths in very different ways from each person, but they got the mission, right? So that's that's really exciting to put together a team that is going to go on this new journey together and the coffee piece can be taught, right? That's yeah, the technical side. Absolutely. And I, I'm excited that it's coming through in coffee because that wasn't lost on me, Houston. Like as I was thinking about like a black owned coffee shop, I was like, well, it's not white people picking the beans. So that this feels so revolutionary is also kind of like time. Isn't it just time? It is. It is time, right? Like it is because it, it, it comes down to curation. I mean, everybody, the, the, the get down, even though we're siblings to Dogwood, it feels completely different because we're going to play different music. And naturally, I mean, we have five young black men in specialty coffee. I don't know of... Uh, <laughs> and we haven't even opened yet. <laughs> right, and Dogwood has none, but it, it's not about intent. It's just you attract likeness, right? And tribalism and people all have a different lived experience and, and the, the way coffee has been consumed, you know, it's been so commoditized all the way down to getting that cup. And how do you bring... And, and Dogwood is... It, is so good. Dan is one of the greatest human beings I've ever met. But that comes really through, it comes through in his business. You know, you feel it. Like it's just a family reunion every day. Um, but then if you add that extra tinge, right, of of of, of black culture and, and intentionally bringing in this idea of cultural collision and talking about hip hop being played regularly in a cafe it 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 widens the audience right and then when you got this phenomenal interesting product and people can go on this journey and learn so much about something that they thought was so simple and and that to me is the real fun of it i never really thought about this but i went to detroit i think probably five years ago 
and went to the um, Motown Museum. And it was really interesting, but it was in a small house where it had originated. And in any other genre of music, some big white mausoleum would have been built around that house and it would be this giant museum. And yet it was sort of this homey experience, but so much music, like the, almost the genesis of music in a lot of respects came out of that Motown house. So it's interesting when you think about music and how people have crossed over into the music culture, but it hasn't necessarily been that they've crossed over in other ways, like maybe a little bit in TV and film, maybe a little bit in arts, but there's still so much art to discover from African-American artists that we just are just beginning to scratch the surface of. So it's it's fun to think about that you're using music as that gateway, but once you get there, there's so much more. Oh, definitely. I, it's funny you bring that up because I use Hitsville USA and as on a lot of slides as the best uh, incubator in the history of Black America. Out of a house and a garage area that didn't even have a floor, the sound of America, the sound of the world essentially was birthed, right? And so that is the power and the ingenuity of culture. And that's why I speak so much about the need to start with these small institutions and build excellence and then trust. And then everybody can, can, can benefit, right? Mary Wells didn't get signed and she wouldn't give up. She was a secretary. And that's how she got discovered. They needed somebody in Studio A to sing something. And it's like, I'll do it, right? But, but just being proximate to excellence and, 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 and having that just around your neighborhood um, is, I think that's the catalytic piece that we've been missing, especially in North Minneapolis. And there's a need for a Camden town in every city, every city in America. Well, it's 1500 North 44th is the start, right? That is. And people can support you with coffee buying, obviously, but also you've got a coffee subscription. You, Where do you sell your clothes? <laughs> Online. Right now we sell our clothes through the get down. Okay. Um, because of uh, supply chain issues and then also... The, the space where I used to store things was completely torn up for a whole year. So, <laughs> and we've been in JCPenney's we're, uh, working with some other retailers right now. So uh, huge announcements in 2022. All right. What- well, that's exciting. Haley, thanks for encouraging me to get together with Houston. I yeah. loved yeah. meeting you. I will be coming to the coffee shop after Black Friday. This podcast will probably post the week after. So by the time you guys hear this, the coffee shop will be open. Come down, get the get down, and just enjoy a fabulous cup of coffee with baristas that really want to be there, right? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait to be part of helping build this community. So thanks, you guys, for participating in the Makers of Minnesota. I appreciate it. Thanks, Stephanie. All right. We'll talk soon. Thank you.